Hi, welcome to New Hope Community Church Online. The sermon you are about to hear was originally given by Pastor Chuck Wilson. New Hope Community Church, to know, to live, and to share Jesus Christ. The title for today is Giant Faith. Giant Faith. Now, it's really a two-part, so you're going to want to come back next week because we're going to talk next week about how to kill giants. How to kill our giants. Uh, but today is, is part one. And it's giant faith. Joshua 11, 21 to 23. Have you ever faced a giant? An impossible battle, an impossible challenge, a trial that it just seemed like there's no way out. Nobody here, right? But you might know somebody that's going through that. You might be facing a giant right now. That crushing weight, that... Lost hope, that beam me up Scotty attitude, you know, you know, right? you know, it's like, get me out of here. Maybe you're facing a giant temptation, a giant temptation, and you've been defeated and surrendered and just learn to live with that giant in your life. If you're facing a giant struggle, you are in the right place because this passage is, is perfect for what we're all going through. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the worship that's helped us take our eyes off of our giants and to get our eyes on you. We pray for your mercy and grace for whatever we're going through, that you would help us face the trials, face the battles, face the giants you called us to face for your purpose. We pray that you would empower us with your faith this morning through your word today in Jesus' name. Amen. So last week, we talked about the keys to beating the odds, the odds in our life. And it was, came down to faith. That was, that was the common denominator was faith, right? But we talked about obedient faith, dependent faith, and persevering faith. And if you weren't here, make sure you get on the YouTube or the podcast site and listen to those because this is really a follow-up to that. But there's one more that we didn't have time for last week, and that is an exclamation point onto the faith, the obedient faith, dependent faith, persevering faith, and that is giant faith. Giant faith. Let's read it here in Joshua chapter 11, verse 21. It says, at that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, Anab, and from all the hill country of Judah, and from all the country of Israel. Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. No Anakites were left in Israelite territory. Only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. So Joshua took the entire land just as the Lord had directed Moses, and he gave it as an inheritance to Israel according to their tribal divisions. Then the land had rest from war. Anakites. Now the Anakites were a very large race. They were descendants of Anak who lived in Canaan. They were genetic giants. If they lived now, they would all be in the NBA. Uh, They'd be all centers in the NBA. Goliath was one. Did you notice where they survived? Gath, 
Goliath is one, and we're going to talk about him next week. Don't miss how to kill our giants. The Bible says he was over nine feet tall. Apparently, this whole genetic group was like that. I was, I looked up the largest person in the United States ever. He was eight foot eleven. Did you know that? There was someone in the United States, 1920, I think he passed away, 8 feet 11. But uh, apparently this whole, well, biblically, this whole group was that tall. They were genetic giants. And the first time we hear about these Anakites is in Numbers. In Numbers. And in Numbers, we, we know the story of Numbers that God told the Israelites to take the promised land. He promised them the land. He said, take the promised land, right? And uh, he promised them victory. He said, I'm giving you this land. Promised them victory. And, but they, they didn't take the land. They didn't take the land. Just like many of us today, they were blocked by Anakites. Numbers 13, 1 to 2, shows that they were blocked by the Anakites. Now, it starts with Numbers 13, 1 to 2, that Lord said to Moses, send some men to explore the land of Canaan, which I'm giving to the Israelites. From each ancestral tribe, send one of its leaders. So this was meant to be a motivational exploration. They were supposed to take the land. It was meant to motivate them. They're going to go out and find out how great it was, come back and say, yeah, it's awesome. Let's all go to, to Disney World, right? So uh, they're all supposed to be excited. But actually, that's not what happened. In fact, just the opposite happens. In verse 26, we'll pick it up here. It says, they came back to Moses and Aaron and the whole Israelite community at Kadesh in the desert of Paran. There they reported to them and to the whole assembly and showed them the fruit of the land. They gave Moses this account. We went into the land to which you sent us, and it does flow with milk and honey. Here is the fruit. But, uh-uh, whenever you see the but coming, you know there's trouble, right? But the people who live there are powerful, and the cities are fortified and very large. We even saw the descendants of Anak there. Hmm. And in the process, we know the rest of the story, only Caleb and Joshua, out of the 12 leaders, 10 voted against going into the promised land. Only Caleb and Joshua voted to go in. In fact, in verse 30, it says, Then Caleb silenced the people before Moses and said, We should go up and take possession of the land. For we can certainly do it. Only, only Caleb and Joshua have giant faith. The rest of them, in verses 31 to 33, listen to what they have. They don't have giant faith, they have. But the men who had gone up with them said, we can't attack those people. They're stronger than we are. And they spread among the Israelites a land, a, a bad report about the land they had explored. They said, the land we explored devours those living in it. All the people we saw there are of great size. We saw the Nephilim there. The descendants of Anak come from the Nephilim. We seem like grasshoppers in our own eyes and we look the same to them. That's not giant faith. That is grasshopper faith. That's grasshopper faith, not giant faith. And these were carnal leaders. Now, is what they said true about how big the walls were or how tall the walls and how big the people were? Yeah, it was true. Right? But it, they weren't, they were carnal. It was humanly true, but it wasn't spiritually true. 
They were carnal leaders. They, they, when they got together for their, their elder deacon meetings, they weighed the pros and the cons and said, well, the pro, let's look at the pros and the cons. And instead of looking at God's word, they focused on the Anakites instead of on God's promises. They focused on the giant obstacles instead of God's promises. That's carnal, worldly thinking instead of spiritual thinking. And the results were disastrous. In fact, look at, let's look at chapter 14, verse 1. The re- disastrous results. That night, all the people of the community raised their voices and wept aloud. All the Israelites grumbled against Moses and Aaron. And the whole assembly said to them, If only we had died in Egypt or in this desert. Be careful what you pray for. Why is the Lord bringing us to this land only to let us fall by the sword? Our wives and children will be taken as plunder. Wouldn't it be better for us to go back to Egypt? And they said to each other, we should choose a leader and go back to Egypt. Woo! They were afraid of the Anakites. And so they said, let's go back to Egypt. Just like we often say, don't we? I've seen churches fire their Moses and hire a pastor of retreat, a minister of retreat. They wanted someone who wouldn't rock the boat. They, they, uh, we want something to keep us comfortable, not lead us forward. Pastors get fired for that all the time because they rock the boat. They want to move people forward spiritually. Or we as Christians, we can go back to Egypt, can't we? We get, we get, we're facing a sin or a temptation in our life and Satan turns up the heat and so we give, give up and we give in. Or, or we get discouraged. We get discouraged at what God has called us to do. Whatever ministry he's given us to do and it may be here in the church or it might be in your neighbor, wherever it is, we get discouraged and, and so we, we go back to Egypt. We quit that ministry that God has called us to. We quit. Now, we all need R&R, right? I have encouraged many of you to, you need some time off, take a break. We all need some R&R, right? But it's vital that we get back into the battle once we get that time of healing and once we get that time of recharging. It's vital that we get back into the battle. I just watched Band of Brothers again with Mikey and uh, and I read the book too. And, and the, the interesting thing about Band of Brothers World War II is these guys would... They would get wounded, and there'd be two different responses with the wounding. Some of them, some of them would try to milk that wound. They'd get into the hospital, they'd try to stay there, they'd keep trying to make it worse than it was, and they'd just try to avoid the rest of the war. They'd try to get out of the war by, through that wound. But other ones would do all they could to get back to the front line. In fact, they would, they would take the bandages off and jump on a jeep and go back to the front line. Without, they would sneak out of the hospital. And that has to be our attitude. Once we get our healing, we got to get back into that battle. We got, it's very, very important. So many times you go back to Egypt. We put our faith in, in God. We put our faith in Jesus. But as soon as we face that giant, we bail out. We quit. So many times, Israel turned back, and the rest is history. Look at verses, uh, chapter 14, verses 29 to 30. In this desert, 
your bodies will fall. Every one of you, 20 years old or more, who is counted in this census and who has grumbled against me, not one of you will enter the land I swore with uplifted hand to make your home, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, son of Nun. Wow. What was supposed to be a victory lap, the book of Numbers, counting the people and getting ready to go in and take it, was supposed to be a victory lap, turned into a 40-year trail of Tears. That's what it turned into. In which finally, they were this curse that they finally, this reverse, finally gets reversed. The curse finally gets reversed here in Joshua 11. For the first time, it gets reversed. We'll see Joshua reversing it. And then when we get to chapter 14, in a few weeks, uh, we'll, uh, when we get there, we will... Okay, months. But when we get there, we'll see Caleb... Reversing the curse, too. Powerful story. Can't wait. But in Joshua 11, let's read this again. In light of what we just saw here in Numbers, now let's read Joshua 11, verse 21 again. At that time, Joshua went and destroyed the Anakites from the hill country, from Hebron, Debir, and Ab, from all the hill country of Judah, from all the hill country of Israel. Joshua totally destroyed them and their towns. No Anakites were left in Israel Light territory only in Gaza, Gath, and Ashdod did any survive. We'll deal with those next week. All right, we'll deal with those next week. This time, they followed Joshua in faith, and they wiped out the Anakites. This time, they followed him in faith and wiped them out. Wiped them out. The first time, they didn't follow Moses. But this time, they followed Joshua in faith. And they do it. Don't forget who Joshua is a picture of? Jesus. And don't forget who these people are a picture of? Us. <laughs> and we're not taking a physical land, but we're fighting for a spiritual land. And notice that it's very interesting that Joshua saved these giants for last. You go through this whole book and all he's fighting, but he saved the giants for last because they are a picture of what Jesus will do with our last and greatest enemy, which is death. Death. In fact, if you t- want to look, I'll read this, but if you want to turn to 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians verse, chapter 15, verse 26, it says, the last enemy to be destroyed is death. The last enemy to be destroyed is death. Death is the last and greatest Anakite giant we will ever face. But we can even face this giant by faith. That's the only way. By faith. In fact, a little further in chapter 15, in verse 54, it says this. Verse 54, when the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. We don't have to fear death or anything if we put our faith in Jesus Christ. We can face any giant, even death, if we have put our faith in Jesus Christ. And you can do that right now. 
You can do that this morning during this service. You can do that this very moment, a prayer in your heart to say, God, I put my faith in Jesus. I turn away from my sin. I turn away from the garbage. I put my faith in Jesus who died on the cross in my place, who rose again from the dead to prove he was the son of God. I put my faith in Jesus. That's how we defeat the giant of death and fear is by faith in Christ. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Have you ever put your faith in Jesus Christ? That is the only way to defeat the giants and even death, no no, no longer fearing anything, even death is by faith. And as Christians, as Christians, it's that living by faith. We still, we are saved by faith, but then after that, that saving faith, there's still that sanctifying faith, that ongoing faith, that living by faith, that, that we, because we have to keep on trusting in Christ. There are many spiritual enemies that we must face and fight. Many. And our Joshua, Jesus, Saves the biggest ones for later in our life, doesn't he? He saves them for later. He waits until we're experienced. He waits until we're mature spiritually to face the toughest trials and temptations that we have to face. That's what God does. That's what Jesus does with us. And when we're, he knows when we're ready to face these things. What would have freaked us out as a young believer? Remember when you first became a Christian? Some of you are new believers. What would have freaked us out as young believers or discouraged us or caused us to quit? Completely quit. But now we have grown in our faith. We know it won't be easy. We've grown in our faith. We know it won't be easy, but, but we now know we can beat these giants because we've beaten the little giants. And now we got the bigger ones, right? We, we now understand God's mercy and grace. We now know how to use our spiritual armor to fight these battles. We have learned obedient faith and dependent faith and persevering faith. And now we're ready to fight with our giant faith. We've experienced the power of the blood of Jesus Christ in our spiritual battles. We've experienced that at salvation. We've experienced that, the power of the blood of Jesus Christ and our sanctification. We've done that. And now we're ready to fight the giants that God has brought us face to face with. They've always been there. They've always been in the land. He's just caught bringing us face to face because he knows now we are ready spiritually to fight them. What trial are you facing this morning? Are you discouraged? Are you tempted to quit? It's tempting, isn't it? (laughs) Are you tempted to go back to Egypt? Or are we facing it with faith? Faith in Joshua, our Jesus, our Joshua Jesus. Are we believing that we can live in victory? I pray that the word today and what we're going to look at next week, very, very important. Don't miss it next week. But I pray that God's word has given you hope today and the courage to fight, to get back in the battle and to fight. Maybe your trial today is a temptation. Did you know the word for temptation is the same word for trial in in the Greek? Same word in the Bible. Trial, temptation, same thing. 
Temptations are a trial. Maybe God is telling you it's time to take on that temptation. That, that lust, that gluttony, that, that anger, that bitterness, that fill in the blank. Now's the time. You're ready to face this now. That besetting sin. That besetting sin. The world calls it addictions. But the Bible, if you've ever read your King James Bible, it's a besetting sin. Uh, Hebrews 12.1 talks about this when it says, I'll read it for you here. 12.1 it says, great verse to memorize. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The word there, when it says so, the sin that so easily entangles, that's some of you, they have the older versions where it says besetting sin. The world calls it an addiction. But the Bible says it's a sin that so easily entangles us. And that's what an addiction is. An addiction is a sin that we've allowed to have power over our life. It's a sin. An addiction is a sinful action that we've allowed to have power over our lives. Very, very important to understand that. But the Bible tells us in Romans 12 too how to, how to overcome these besetting sins, these sins that so easily entangle. It tells us how to break the power of an addiction. In Romans 12 too, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Be, be transformed by the renewing of your minds be transformed by the renewing don't be conformed be squeezed into the world's mold but be transformed by the renewing of your minds that's how we break the power of addiction we must renew our minds they've uh, i was reading an article this week about in fact it was in i'll read, read a couple things it was in uh by carol archibald and the kingdom works article it says this is your brain on porn is the title but it was showing how what happens to the brain when you have an addiction and 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 uh the brain on drugs, I was looking at the pictures, and it's amazing, the pictures of what, what happens with the brain on drugs, but also the brain on pornography. It's a, it almost looks exactly the same, because that's what ad- addictions do to the brain. It alters the brain. The brain of a, a, a porn addict is very, very similar to the brain of a drug addict. Addictions damage the brain, and they need healing. I'm just going to read you a little bit of this. It's a great article. It says, looking at brain scans, it's easy to see. The brain of a porn addict looks similar to and perhaps even worse than a drug addict's. A normal brain has a topography of a beach ball, nice and smooth. In stark contrast is a Swiss cheese-like surface of a porn addict's brain. It's shocking and scary, but the good news is that the damage can be reversed. See, addictions, they, they, sinful, Activity becomes addiction, which actually does fracture the brain. The C, now get this, the CEO of your brain is the prefrontal cortex. It's the top portion of your brain, and though it may not, though it may be smaller in size, it really runs the show. Some of you know this, we've talked about this before. It's responsible for good decision making, impulse control, 
planning and other complex functions befitting its executive position, position, and it's not fully formed until the age of 25. <laughs> that's, why, that's why we make so many mistakes when we're under 25, right? On the brain... On the brain scan of porn addicts, the prefrontal cortex looks diminished, much like a deflated tire. By watching porn, and I'll say any addictive behavior, by watching porn, this person has bypassed their CEO many times going straight to, I want to feel good. That feel-good portion of your brain would be your limbic system. This is why an addict will do things they never thought they would because their higher reasoning takes a back seat and the limbic system takes over. I'm going to tie all this together in a minute. Just wait till you hear this. Our limbic system is housed in a lower section of the brain. It's our survival system where we act on impulse to jump out of the way of an oncoming train, for instance. Dodging certain death is an automatic reaction that we don't have to think about. Because one of its purposes is to keep us alive, the limbic system can overpower the prefrontal cortex. That is great when facing a dangerous situation. It's not so great when it's been bypassed on a daily basis to do something our CEO would put a stop to and watching porn fits that bill. And I would say any addictive behavior fits that bill. Watching pornography or or any addictive behavior, I'm going to say, repeatedly is strengthening the limbic system pathways to unhealthy behavior, ignoring your CEO in the process. And like a muscle that hasn't been used, the prefrontal cortex will atrophy, this makes us even more impulsive and less in control of our behavior. With a regular porn user, their ability to control their behavior has lessened considerably and they are much more driven to act out again and again on impulse. Once again, I will say that for any addictive action or behavior. Thankfully, there is a way to get back to normal. This is not an excuse for those in the midst of addiction, but understanding the battle they are up against is a critical step in recovery. You can retrain your brain. Whatever addiction, whatever sinful behavior, whatever it is, you can retrain your brain to healthy, God-intended sexuality or whatever it is. Freedom from porn can be found with reprogramming of the limbic system. It's a process, but it works. What did the Bible say? Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. How many times have we talked about renewing through fellowship and worship in God's word? And now, get this. Neurogenesis tells us that the brain is constantly changing. It's constantly making new connections, giving birth to new neurons on a moment-by-moment basis. What this means is, just as your brain molded in response to pornography or any addictive sin, it can be, it can remold in response to healthy sexuality. Do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And once we reach, but once we reach this addiction point, and I think we all have experienced addiction in our life, or we will, we need help. We need help for, uh, for, for any addiction, whether it's pornography, whether it's drugs, whatever addiction, we need help. We need the body of Christ, and we need time. 
We need time. We need, it, it's not something, that's why these 30, 30 day things are wasted time. It takes time to, for the brain to be transformed. It takes time. And that's why Christ-based ministries have such a high success rate compared to everything else. We had Teen Challenge here not too long ago, right? You heard the difference. It's 87% to 7% is the average, right? It's because Jesus Christ is the key to transforming that, that our minds and our hearts and our lives. Very, very important. Uh, we, we need, we need these, these kind of ministries. In fact, that's why I asked John Freeman. If John Freeman from Harvest Ministries is a great resource. He had an awesome video. It's going to be on our website <laughs> and our, our podcast YouTube site. But uh, I'm just going to ask John to share a ministry that does the very thing I'm talking about. Thank you, Chuck. It's great to be here. Um, as we know, another concept of addiction and compulsion is that when we want something to give us life outside of Jesus, and we all turn to those things uh, and learn how to turn to those things throughout our life. Um, so this morning, I want to just talk a minute about another giant a lot of us face, and that's the giant of our fallen sexuality and our misused sexuality and our distorted desires. You know, that's all part of the fall. Uh, 35 years ago, my wife and I drove our moving truck to Philadelphia from the South for me to go to seminary. And I, I just wanted to go to school and get out in three years and go back to the South and have a church somewhere. But God kind of changed the course of my life through a seminary professor. And um, I began the ministry of Harvest USA. So we're in our 35th year this year. But we have two foci at Harvest USA. One is to be a ministry of truth and compassion and mercy to the growing number of individuals and families and churches and schools impacted by sexual brokenness of one kind or another, pornography, sexual addiction, uh, homosexuality, same-sex attraction, gender issues. Uh, The other part of our ministry is to be an educational and training resource for the local church uh, so that the church can better know how to minister uh, to men and women and youth uh, who are programmed, in a sense, by their own sinful nature and by our culture to look for life outside of Jesus in these places. So continue to pray for us. One of the reasons I wanted to come today was just to thank you. Whether you know it or not, uh, New Hope Community Church supports Harvest USA. And we would not be here and be able to do what we're doing without your support and prayer. You know, there are over 140 men and women a week getting help coming to know Jesus better and more deeply through our six, our seven Bible study support groups at Harvest USA. Because we have groups for men and women struggling with pornography, uh, recovering from affairs, uh, struggling with same-sex attraction. Our biggest ministry growth right now is to parents. Parents who have a 17-year-old or a 37-year-old who's come home from college and said, guess what, mom, I'm gay. Or guess what, I'm a lesbian. And that throws the most committed Christian family into a turmoil. How do I deal with the situation? How do I love this person? Uh, how do I help encourage them in Christ? And so we have about probably 50 sets of parents, if they all come to the same two meetings, uh, who are just learning to know how to love their child well and learning how to process what does this mean for me. And that's a hard place for parents to be. You know, uh, several years ago, my wife drug me to one of these chick flicks. I think it was called Love, Pray, Eat or something like that. In our parents' groups, we, we help parents just talk, 
cry and pray in the context of God's word. But you know, it's God's people that have put us there and keep us there because there are so many elements that could be against us. We should not really be here after 35 years. You know, we've had several annoying incidents over the years. I'll just mention a few. Uh, hundreds of abusive calls. I've been told to check my exhaust each time I start my car. There'll be a bomb in it one day. One time I had a guy pull a 357 Magnum on an interview saying he had come to kill me. <laughs> Thankfully, God had other plans at that point. Uh, on a more lighter side, the FBI has investigated this. The Attorney General has investigated this. The District Attorney of Philadelphia has investigated this because of, uh, of pranks people pulled on them and said it was us. Um, I've had my picture blown up, poster size, on 100 buildings um, plastered in Philadelphia. Uh, I've had a spell cast over me by, by a warlock from New Hope. Uh, we've been threatened with lawsuits and we've had candlelight prayer vigils when we were speaking on university campuses. Now, why that kind of reaction? A lot of reasons, but I think it's this. I think it's because at Harvest USA, we dare say that the cross of Jesus, that the gospel has to redefine our life. And that it's the most important thing. Our sexuality is important. Our gender is important. But it is not the most important thing. The work of Jesus is the most important thing in our lives. So we talk about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. He's not a way. He's the way. We talk about how uh, Jesus wants to enter the most broken and damaged parts of our hearts and lives and transform us. Because the gospel says that's what transforms us. So continue to pray for us. Uh, we help people understand what it means to walk in their union with Jesus. Uh, you know, because it's only, only, a, only a true Jesus will free us from our past. Only a true Jesus will enter into our current struggles, the giants that are in our life. Only a true Jesus will give us peace to our hearts. Only a true Jesus will free us from condemnation. Only a true Jesus will let us really believe that although my sin condemns me, Christ commends me. And so that's what the work of Harvest USA is all about. Continue to pray for us. Pray that God opens doors. He's opening so many doors. You know, in the past year, we've got to go teach in China, Taiwan, uh, South America. Uh, one of our staff just got back from teaching church planters for two weeks in England. We've been asked to go to South, uh, to Africa and India as well. These are, these are doorways we never envisioned. So pray for those things. Uh, pray for our continued work among the Amish community in Lancaster. That's a door God opened about two years ago we never envisioned. I got to speak to a, a barn full of 150 Amish men, which opened the door to many things. I'm finding it's a very broken, sexually broken world, much different than the one you, that portrays. So pray for that. That's just something God's put on our, uh, our doorstep now. Continue to pray for... Uh, also, we got to go to Korea. I forgot that as well. One of our staff speaks Korean, and he got to go minister in Korea. Uh, pray for us, too, as we continue to help the church grow and educate in this area. I'm so glad that your church can, looks at this as just another gospel issue. I love your pastor's heart, by the way. <laughs> He's amazing. Uh, it's, this is just another gospel issue. The gospel is bigger than this giant in your life. Uh, so, so believe that today if this is a giant you're wrestling with. But you've got to come into the light. 
I know the Pastor Chuck would love to talk to you if this is an area that's a giant area in your life. Uh, because there's actually a ministry here for men, especially struggling with these things. Uh, continue to pray for us. Uh, ch- check out our website. We have uh, lots of materials. Actually, uh, on, our, on our literature table back there, there are some samples of some of our mini books. This one says, I snooping on your kid, parenting in an internet world. Here's one called Raising Sexually Healthy Kids. We, have not, we now have 19 of these kind of booklets that you can get on our website, as well as other resources. We also put out a wonderful magazine uh, twice a year. Uh, this one uh, has the article, Living Faithfully with Our Bodies. It still matters, but the church has to help. Uh, here's one for parents called Caught in the Middle Between Family and Faith, su- Supporting Parents When an Adult Child Comes Out. And this one is on transgender. We've had to get this printed three times. Transgenderism. Uh, what ha- helping someone with gender confusion. Raising a child with gender brokenness. Uh, I was telling somebody in the hallway, just, and I'm going to stop here, but telling somebody in the hallway a few minutes ago before the service, that I rarely get so mad that I just want to stop my car and spit. But the other day I was in my, my car listening to the radio, and an ad came on the radio that said, if your two- or three-year-old is showing signs of the opposite sex, now is the time to start their transitioning. And I thought, oh, my gosh, how evil. But then again, they talked about the 25 clinics that have popped up around the world, country where you can now send your two-year-old. So it's about money as well. Uh, there is a spirit of deception in our culture right now that's pushed gender above everything else. Did you know if you go on Facebook today, there are 64 gender identity designates that you choose from? 64. The evil one is working overtime, isn't he? But the gospel, the gospel is what transforms our hearts and lives. So continue to pray for us. Uh, uh, continue, uh, go to our website and check out our resources. It's harvestusa.org. And also, I'll be there to talk to people at our literature table. You can pick up some of these magazines. And if you have any questions about our ministry. Chuck, thank you so much. Yeah, a tremendous ministry. Um, if, uh, if you, we have a sexual purity group at the church here and different people in it, and it's awesome, but, and we, everybody's invited, but if, sometimes people are a little afraid to talk to me or our guys, go right to Harvest. You know, just give them a call, and uh, you can connect with them. Or if you have someone who is struggling or you yourself are struggling, um, I want to encourage you to talk to them at the table, John at the table, and also you can always contact them. Spread the word, you know, all these different, I get those magazines are tremendous. Spread the word, get them out there, but also support them. They need, they need support. This ministry needs to grow, you know, it's a growing problem in our country. And some of you may be blessed financially and you could really get behind them and help them. That'd be awesome. Be really, really awesome. Um, we need the body of Christ. We need the body of Christ, and it takes time for healing. And, and, and there are many giants. This is just one. There are many, many giants. We all struggle. We all need each other. We, we need the body of Christ. That's why it says confess your sins one to another. No matter what you struggle with, whatever it is, there is someone here in our church that could help you. Trust me. <laughs> we, we've got it all covered. 
We've all been through something, right? And we've, you, there's someone here I can connect you with, or I can connect you with a resource, or, or if you're afraid to talk to me, talk to someone at our church, or you, you connected referrals. There's so many ways that we, there's so much help out there. Don't struggle in, in secret. Find someone that can help you. It's, that's what the body of Christ is all about. We can all experience what Romans 12, 2 says. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Let's pray. As we just go to this time of prayer, how is God speaking to us? Maybe there's a giant in our life that nobody even knows about, but it's this giant battle that we've been facing or even surrendered to or in bondage to. It could be anything. Lots of giants out there. But today, would your prayer be, God, instead of surrendering to the giant, I'm going to surrender to you, God. I want to surrender my life to you. I want to surrender this area of brokenness, of sin to you. I want to fight this giant by faith. Show me who to talk to. Show me where to get the extra help that I'm going to need to fight this giant. Maybe here today and you can't fight the giant because you've never put your faith in Jesus. You've never given your life to him. You're still afraid of death. You're still afraid of many things in life because you don't have the faith to fight them. But it's only by giving your life to Jesus Christ. And you can do that right now. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Right where you are at this very moment, you can put your faith in Jesus. You can give your life to him. It's a simple prayer. God, I turn away from the sin. I turn away from anything in your word. I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to give me a new life. Because I'm putting my faith in Jesus. I know he died for me. I know he rose again from the dead for me. I put my faith in Jesus. Father, only you know what we're facing today. I pray if anyone has put their faith in you that they would share that with someone a Christian brother or sister here, a family member, a friend, share it with someone so that we can help them find, grow in their new life in Christ. Lord, I pray if anybody here is facing a giant, struggling with a giant, you would give them the courage and and lead them to just the right person or the right resource or the right ministry to help them face that giant by faith.
We pray that you would give us your mercy and grace. We pray that you would fill us with your faith. In Jesus' name, amen.